Section 41 of Lay Down Your Arms. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lay Down Your Arms by Bertha von Suttner. Translated by Timothy Holmes. Chapter 10, Part 2. The first engagement between our troops in Bohemia and the enemy took place on June 25th at Libanau. My father brought us this news with his usual triumphant mien. That is a grand beginning, he said. You can see heaven is on our side. It is significant that the first with whom these windbags had to do were the troops of our celebrated Iron Brigade. You know, of course, the Pashak Brigade, which defended Königsberg in Silesia so valiantly, they will give them all they want. However, the next news from the seat of war showed that after five hours fighting, this brigade, forming part of the advanced guard of Klam Galas, retreated to Podol. Also that Frederick was there, which I did not know, and that in the same night Podol, which had been barricaded, was attacked by General Horn, and the fight renewed by the bright moonlight, which also I heard later. But, continued my father, even more splendid than in the north is the beginning of matters in the south. At Kostotza we have gained a victory, children, more glorious than any but one. I've always said it, Lombardy must become ours. Are you not delighted? I regard the war as already decided, for if we get done with the Italians, who do at any rate set a regular trained army in the field against us, we shall not find it hard to deal with these tailors' apprentices. This Landwehr, it is really an impudence, but it is just of a piece with the whole Prussian conceit to take the field against regular armies with such stuff. There are these fellows torn away from the workbench and the writing-desk, they're not inured to any hardship, and so it is impossible that they can stand in the field against soldiers, proof against blood and steel. Just look there at what the Wiener Zeitung of June 24th writes in its original correspondence. Surely that is good news. Quote, in Prussian Silesia, cattle plague has broken out, as is understood in a highly threatening form. Unquote. Cattle plague, threatening form. Joyful news, I said with a slight shake of the head. Nice things people must take pleasures in in times of war. However, one good thing is that black and yellow posts are erected on the frontiers so that the plague cannot cross. But my father did not hear and went on reading his pleasant intelligence. Quote, Fever is raging among the Prussian troops at Neisse. The unhealthy marshland, the bad treatment, and the miserable shelter of the troops accumulated in the villages around must necessarily produce such results. In Austria, we have no idea of the treatment of the Prussian soldiery. The nobles believe themselves entitled to give any orders they please to the common folk. Six ounces of pork per man is all, and that for men who are not experienced soldiers. End quote. The newspapers are all full of capital news, above all the account of the glorious day of Costoza. You should read these papers, Marta. And I have kept them. It is what people should always do, and when a new national quarrel is impending, then read not the most recent papers, but those dating from the former war, and then you will see what weight to attach to all their prophesying and boasting, and even to their accounts and intelligence. That is instructive. Quote, from the seat of war in the north, from headquarters of the Army of the North, they write to us as follows on the subject of the Prussian plan of campaign. According to the latest advices, the Prussian army has shifted its headquarters to eastern Silesia, 
then follows in the usual tactical style a long narrative of the projected movements and positions contemplated by the enemy according to which the gentleman who furnished the news must have had a much clearer picture before him than moltke and Rune. according to this it seems to be the object of the prussians to anticipate in this way our march on berlin by their own in which however they will hardly succeed having regard to the precautions taken with which again our special correspondent is much more familiar than benedick favourable accounts may be looked for from the northern army with the utmost confidence even if they do not arrive so quickly as the popular longing desires them to do they will however thereby become more decisive and more important Unquote. the new frankfurter zeitung relates a pleasant interlude the march of austrian troops of italian nationality through munich as follows Quote, among the troops passing through munich were some battalions of the line they like the rest of the troops passing through the bavarian capital were entertained in the garden of an inn situated near the station any one might convince himself with what delight these venetians testified to their joy in fighting the foes of austria perhaps too any one might have imagined that drunken soldiers would willingly show enthusiasm for anything they were told to be enthusiastic about in Würzburg, the station was filled by the rank and file of an Austrian regiment of infantry of the line. As far as could be ascertained, the whole consisted of Venetians. They were received with equal friendliness, i.e. they were made equally drunk, and the men could not find words to express with sufficient warmth their joy and their determination to fight against the truce-breakers. Of two parties at war with each other, the other is always the truce-breakers. The hurrahs were endless, could not this Mr. Anyone, who was thus lounging about the railway station and so edified by the cries of the soldiery, find out that there is nothing so contagious as hurrahing, that a thousand voices shouting together are not the expression of a thousand unanimous sentiments, but simply exemplify the working of the natural instincts of imitation? Unquote. At Böhmisch Trubau, Field Marshal Benedek communicated to the Army of the North the three bulletins relative to the victory of the Army of the South and added the following order of the day, quote, In the name of the Army of the North, I have dispatched the following telegram to the commander of the Army of the South. Field Marshal Benedek and the whole Northern Army to the glorious and most illustrious commander-in-chief of the brave Southern Army, with joyful admiration, sends most hearty congratulations on the news of the famous day of Kustotza. The campaign in the South is opened with a new and glorious victory for our arms. Glorious Klustotza shines on the escutcheon of the Imperial Army. Soldiers of the Army of the North, you will receive the news with shouts of joy. You will move to battle with increased enthusiasm, so that we also may very soon inscribe names of fame on that same shield, and announce to the Emperor a victory from the North also, towards which our warlike ardor burns, and which your valor and devotion will conquer, to the cry, Long live the Emperor! Benedict. Unquote. To the foregoing telegram, the following answer from Verona reached Bermisch Trubau. The Army of the South and its commander return their thanks to their beloved ex-commander and his brave army, convinced that we also shall soon have to send our congratulations for a similar victory. Convinced, convinced, does not your heart leap up, my children, when you read such things, shouted my father in delight. Can you not rise up to a sufficient height of patriotic feeling to throw into the background your private circumstances at the sight of such triumphs? You, Marta, to forget that you're Frederick, and you, Lily, that your Conrad is exposed to some danger. 
danger which probably they will come out of safe and sound, and even to succumb to which, a fate which they share with the best sons of our country, would redound to their fame and honour. There is not a soldier who would not willingly die to the call for our country. If after a lost battle a man is left lying with shattered limbs on the field, I replied, and lies there undiscovered for four or five days and nights in indescribable agonies from thirst and hunger, rotting while still alive, and so perishes, knowing all the while that his death has not helped his country, you talk of, one bit, but has brought his loved ones to despair, I should like to know whether all this time he's gladly dying to the call you speak of. You are outrageous, and besides, you speak in such shrill tones, quite unbecoming for a lady. Oh, yes, the true word, the naked reality, is outrageous, is shameless. Only the phrase, which by thousandfold repetition has become sanctioned, is proper. But I assure you, father, that this unnatural joy in dying, which is thus exacted from all men, however heroic it may seem to him who uses the phrase, sounds to me like a spoken death knell. End of section 41. Read by Sandra.